Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And that very melancholy song, which I think sounds like the beginning of a horror film, was something I recorded in Spain while I was living in Italy when Derek and I took a trip there right after the Christmas holiday. And we walked into an empty parking garage, no cars, no people, nothing, and that song was playing. we have phones that record things like that now, but I still feel like it's one of those sounds that I will never forget regardless. So I thought I'd share it with you. I'll be home for Christmas. A fitting song for you, Tiffany, who I guess that's opposite effect. You were not home for Christmas unless you now consider Rome home entirely rather than visiting with your friends and family in the United States. That's a good question. When does your new living situation become home and where you grew up is no longer home. It's hard to say. I don't think we really introduced ourselves yet. So, um, Oh yeah. I'm Katie Stuhl. (laughs) Have I not? No. I'm Katie Stuhl. I'm Tiffany Parks. (laughs) Let's give a little background as to what the show is, just in case there's people starting it in the new year. Yeah. So this is a show for expats, former expats, people who love to travel, people who are curious about the world. Yeah. People who like to displace themselves from time to time and see what that does to their lives. Is that about everybody? (laughs) People who never want to travel, actually. There's a big faction of people who have emailed me that say they never, ever would want to go live overseas or travel anywhere, but they like living vicariously through the mental exploration that we do on this show. So basically, this is a show for everyone. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm a public radio producer, writer. I lived in Rome for just a year as a brand new expat. And who are you, Tiffany? I'm also a writer. I am a magazine editor and a sometime tour guide and a newish mother. And uh, I live in Rome. I've been in Rome for over 12 years now. Wow. Which means, Yikes. yeah, I think we were saying it was a decade when the show started. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you have crossed the line. You are officially in Rome longer than you were in high school and college. Is that right? Oh, yeah. High school and college. Yeah. I was going to say your entire school career is 12 years, not counting college. Right. Yeah. 12 is a long, it's a long time. 12 years starts to be, starts to become your home. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And I moved back from Rome and now I live in Seattle. This is becoming a really long introduction, but Seattle for me is kind of one of those places where I've lived here for so long and I go away and I come back and it has that pull of, well, where else are you going to go? You know, (laughs) I'm done with Rome. I guess I'll go back to Seattle. And then you end up in Seattle and you're like, do I still want to be in Seattle? But where else would I go? So that's what Seattle's like for me. At least that's how I'm feeling about it at the moment. It's been a very gray, wet winter. (laughs) So my love affair with Seattle feels over at the moment. Tiffany was also from Seattle, but now she's lived in Rome for so long, and nobody except for us good friends here live in Seattle anymore. So really, your family's not even based here anymore. No. So Seattle is not your home. 
It's not, but it's, I mean, it always will be in a sense. Really? Are you sure? Uh, yeah, I am. I mean, home is a very foggy concept, I think. I mean, especially to expats. There are expats out there who really have no concept of home, which I think is so sad. You know, people who grow up as expats and who are military kids or diplomat kids, or they just are constantly moving around and never settle in one place. But I did grow up in the same city for my whole entire zero to 18. And for almost all of that time, I was in the same house. True. So it's hard for me not to think of that as my home. It's weird. And I think depending on the moment in your life also and what you're going through, I think that that feeling of home can vacillate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But you said you felt sorry for the kids that move around so much when they're younger. Why does that make you feel sorry for them? Some people would say, what a grand adventure. They've seen and done everything. As a kid, I would have been like, I would have wanted to do that. I mean, I don't know if I would have actually been happy doing it, but I thought I wanted to do that. I think because for me, I would hate the thought of not knowing where I'm from, of not having a concept of, oh, this is where I am from. This is where I spent my formative years. It would be difficult not to have that, that sense of, I can always go back home, you know? Because it's more than that, right? It's also a cultural grounding. Regardless of the fact that you've lived in Italy for the last 12 years, Culturally, you are still grounded in whatever narratives are told in the United States, right? Versus the narratives that are you're raised with in Italy. Yes, absolutely. Even more specifically, the Northwest, I think I really, even though I left the Northwest when I was 18, and I was very much about, oh, I'm in the East Coast now, and da, 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 Boston, and there's something about the Seattle lifestyle, but not just lifestyle, just sort of the the attitude of the people there that I still, after all this time, feel connected to and can identify with. And I'm kind of like, those are my people. Yeah. So why are you so far away from your people? (laughs) I don't know. Why are you running from us, Tiffany? I don't know. Why? I, I did run. I ran like so fast and so far, like I couldn't wait to get away. I know. So uh, begs the question, <laughs> are we really your people? I don't know. I don't know. I, well, I think you are, but it's just there was something that was very important to me, which had nothing to do with, you know, the people I connected with, which was I just wanted to, to roam. I wanted to travel. I wanted to live in new places didn't mean that, the, that I didn't like the place that I came from. Yeah, but I wonder if you were if you were still here today. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say you, sure, you traveled. I've traveled a ton, right? I've traveled a ton. I lived abroad for a year. But let's say you still lived here. <sighs> it's very hard for me to picture you as a Seattleite. And I'm not sure why. Maybe you seem, like, more worldly or more cultured. And I'm not actually, you know, Seattle's super educated. It's worldly. It's cultured. But... It's also wet and insular and outdoorsy, super liberal. I'm hey, I'm super liberal. I know you're more liberal than I am. I'll give you that. B, I am. um, I have the potential to be outdoorsy. I really do. (laughs) I don't. The potential to be outdoorsy. Yeah, I don't have the equipment. 
But I. What do you need? You just need I your need, legs like, and a jacket. Shoes. No, I need like good like waterproof boots and yeah, and a waterproof jacket. I own neither. Okay. When I grew up, I was not outdoorsy. I hated. I abhorred the, even the thought of going camping. Unless it was like in my backyard, that was okay. Yeah. But I hated the thought of camping. I hated the thought of hiking. Any of that. I hated it all. Now I dream of going hiking and going camping. I would love it. But what is the dream there, really? What are you picturing in your head? The hiking, I picture, well, I, I went on a, like a little, I don't I wouldn't even consider it a hike. I would say a walk <laughs> in Zion National Park back in 2013 and I was just like I could have spent 24 hours in that place just ogling the nature it I was just crazy about it I loved it and I also went hiking in India many years ago when I was there 10 years ago now I went hiking in northern India up to the in the foothills of the Himalayas and I loved every second of it and I also did a little bit of hiking in Germany just, I don't know why. It's like something so not Tiffany, <laughs> the <laughs> idea of like hiking. It's something that I just discovered late in life and had no idea I would love, but I absolutely love it. Camping, I'm not probably as suited to, but I think I could do it. I'm not really that high maintenance. That's true. You don't even need a tent. You just need something to lay in. No, I need a tent. I need oh, a okay. tent. <laughs> Fair enough. The most unpleasant camping I've ever done was heading into the woods with nothing but a blue tarp. Yeah. No, that's not me. That was bad. But let's not forget that I spent an entire month living in a tent in the Bahamas. I don't know if anybody knows that. What? Yes. Yes. I lived in a tent when? for a month in the Bahamas. When? 2003. Doing what? Studying yoga intensively. Whitney was there. She's my witness. And by the way, she did not have a tent. She slept in a hammock in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> that was Whitney is an old friend of ours from the drama school days. And that is so what she would have done. <laughs> I love that. She also had a portable typewriter with her. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like only in your 20s you would do. It reminds me of a guy that decided that he was going to walk the Pacific Crest Trail, mm -hmm. which is a really long way. And... Because he was in his 20s, what did he hike it with? A guitar. Of course. Halfway there, or not even halfway, you're like, number one, why did I bring this guitar? I'm out of my mind. This is so heavy. Two, <laughs> I'm not going to finish. <laughs> I'm going to go. This sucks. I did not plan well. And packing a typewriter is like that. Yeah, she brought a typewriter and letters to type. And she brought, like, one bathing suit and, like, two dresses that was the extent of what she packed and oh and a hammock and a tarp to cover her head if it rained awesome yeah she awesome. was awesome would you have let her in to your tent if it was really raining of course i would have but she never asked she was she's tough this is a funny diversion we've gone on i would actually love to hear from people what is the weirdest thing that they ever took traveling with them hmm. that would be fun like a typewriter like a guitar maybe it's not even weird it could be weird or completely impractical okay i've got one okay go for it okay when I, <laughs> when i went to europe in the summer of i'm gonna date myself here 1996 okay Woo! you are so old i know 
<laughs> Kidding. Go ahead. So, well, anytime you say start something with 19, it already sounds old. Oh, I hope that's not true. To people who are younger than us, obviously. Right. I went to Italy, surprise, surprise, to hang out with this guy that I was, well, he was my ex-boyfriend. We were actually quite serious. Jonathan. Yes. I remember. If you're listening. <laughs> oh, hi, Jonathan. <laughs> and, uh, um, I had these, I mean, I was very young at the time. I think I was, I was 19. I had these very romantic ideas about traveling in Europe and what you bring to Europe and the number of shoes you need, the number of dinner jackets, you know, that kind of thing. And I brought, I mean, these were back in the day when you could take almost an unlimited amount of luggage with you if, as long as you were traveling internationally. I had, you know, like a really big su- heavy suitcase and probably a, a pretty sturdy carry-on as well. And then I brought these two leather hat boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say a hat box. I just knew it. <laughs> <Did you know? laughs> Because it's so movie perfect, and I so know you from your high school years. And I'm like, what would she feel like she should walk through the airport with in her hands? Yeah, hat boxes. Not just one, two. Two. And they were mat. It was a set of matching leather hat boxes. One was smaller than the other. The smallest one was quite petite. It could almost pass for a purse, like a clutch purse. The other one was larger, though. You know, it was a full hat box size. Did you pack a hat in it? No, no, I I might have had a hat as well. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I didn't have a hat. I'm pretty sure it was full of clothes or what have you. But the fact that I brought these, I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> and I can guarantee that there was like nobody looking at me and being like, "Wow, what a sophisticated young traveler." <laughs> <laughs> It was everyone probably looking at me like, what was that kid thinking when she put those hat boxes? (laughs) She must watch a lot of Hollywood movies, that one. Yeah. I had to like, I had the vision of myself like walking down the steps from the airplane. Like the airplane wouldn't be like pulled up at the gate. You'd have to walk down the steps, you know? (laughs) Yeah. A la Casablanca. Yeah, you're like the president. <laughs> There's a crowd assembled. You've got a hat box on each arm. <laughs> I love it. So brilliant. Uh, so uh, I feel like we should do this again, Tiffany. We should, <laughs> we should do it again and see what happens in this new modern era of travel. <laughs> do you still have the hat boxes? My mom has them, actually. Oh, that's so funny. But the funny thing is, like oh. that today, I think about in the past that I used to travel with, you would never be able to bring a third of that stuff today. The the, the airline restrictions are, I mean, I know we weren't traveling in the golden age of 1960s air travel when it was supposedly so glamorous, but even still, like traveling in the 90s yeah. by air was so easy <laughs> compared to today. It's ridiculous. I know. It is. It's amazing. Or Or how... You watch all these, not even old movies now, but just older movies and the people greet each other at the gate. Yeah, I remember that like it was yesterday. I mean, all through college, we could go to the gate. I don't remember when it changed. I think after 9-11. Was it 9-11? Yeah. I couldn't remember. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
what would be the most ridiculous thing I've ever traveled with? The only thing that's popping to mind is um, a Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> Tell me you were a little girl. No. This is when I was in my 20s. With all of his several pairs of eyes, ears, hair, <laughs> feet, all of that stuff. Why? Why? Um, well, I was going to rural Vietnam with my dad. And a friend of mine had this potato head and suggested I take it there and take its photo everywhere, which I thought was a kind of dumb and cumbersome idea. But I did love the idea of leaving it somewhere random in Vietnam because I had never seen anything like it there <laughs> before. And so I just sort of held on to it during this entire trip until I found out that we were going to be going by motorbike into the jungle across a bamboo bridge. Oh my gosh. On these motorbikes, by the way, probably one of the most deadly, top 10 most deadly things I've ever done. Across a bamboo bridge on the back of a motorbike to a village that hadn't ever seen white people. Yeah. That had a kindergarten class that they were interested in having my father look at to hopefully get some sort of financial support, I assume. Anyway, I thought, well, what better place? <laughs> <laughs> than to bring this Mr. Potato Head out there. Now, in hindsight, maybe this was a really bad idea. Somewhere out in the jungles of Vietnam, I'd like to believe that there's still a Mr. Potato Head sitting in a classroom. <laughs> in a classroom that, by the way, had all homemade cut-out paper toys. Now they have a Mr. Potato like Head. Now they have a Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. I have officially spread American garbage to the jungles of Vietnam. Hey, Mr. Potato Head is not garbage. He's a cool toy. Well, but you know, he can only do so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a cool toy in the sense that you can move a few parts around, but once you've done that, really. No, Mr. Potato Head I think is a classic. I love Mr. Potato Head. It is a classic, but there's no cultural context for that object out there. <laughs> None. <laughs> None. Well, they'll invent something. I hope so. Maybe they're storing their school supplies inside of it now. I don't know. But that was one of the most stupid things that I left behind or and ever traveled with. Yeah, but at least it wasn't ridiculously cumbersome like mine. That's true. Although it is a pretty large toy. But you're right. You're right. So don't judge, though. That was the 20-something me. There were a lot of mistakes I made back then about cultural mistakes. As we've talked about in the past, some are incredibly funny and uh, some are like head slappingly embarrassing <laughs> at this point. That's just part of being a traveler. Yeah. Stupid things. But if you want to write us your stories about the stupid things that you've traveled with, we would love to hear about it. Yeah, that would be it. That's a fun topic. Yeah. Bittersweetlife at mail.com. M-A-I-L. Bittersweetlife at mail.com. You know, when I came to Rome just recently, the last time I came to visit, Derek and I traveled with two stuffed owls. And how big were they? Big, like half a pillow size. Why did you bring them? <laughs> well, That's we kind of used them as pillows, to be honest. One, we thought it would be funny because Derek's mother buys us stuffed owls all the time. And these particular two, we like the best. But two, every time we're in Italy, it's notorious for having the worst pillows in these <laughs> rental apartments. And so we figured, well, we could at least lay on them. And it's smaller than a pillow. It's not like you're packing an entire pillow. Do you want to guess what the owl's names are? Um, Veronica <laughs> and Carmen. 
No. You, <laughs> I think we've explained who Veronica and Carmen are yeah. before. Carmen would have totally carried the hat box. You were being her. Uh, no, Veronica would have carried the hat boxes. Hello, she was the rich one. Oh, come on. <laughs> These were alternative personalities that Tiffany and I invented in high school. No. Your character's name was Carmen. It was middle school, okay? Oh, yeah, middle school. Less embarrassing. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> yours was named Carmen Ava Blair. That is a rich girl's name. No, Veronica is a rich girl's name. Carmen is a Hispanic girl's name. Not that Hispanic girls can't be rich, but Veronica is a rich girl's name. True, but the last name Blair is not a rich girl's name? Yeah, Blair is... <laughs> that is a rich girl's you know, name. You know, Blair is a rich girl's name, but do you know why I think that we have the connotation of Blair being a rich, a rich girl's name? No. Blair from the facts of life. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we're way off topic. No, the owl's names were Hubert... And pellet. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> All right, let's just leave it there. Yeah. Send in your nominations of the weirdest things that you travel with. And um, we're running a little long in the tooth, but can you tell me about how you rang in the new year before we end? I actually had a, I don't want to say like an exciting new year. It definitely wasn't exciting, but it was decent. I had a very simple dinner. And, you know, I mean, I have a, I have a small child, so who can't go to sleep without my help. So <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't out. I put him to bed and was just having a normal evening. You know, I was planning to watch the fireworks from our balcony because we live sort of on a hill. And so we can see a lot, you know, we have like a huge skyscape, if that's a word in front of us. So I was looking forward to seeing the fireworks. Well, they started shooting some off before midnight and Aurelia woke up at five minutes to midnight, of course. I was trying to, you know, put him back to sleep, but you know what? He's not going to go back to sleep with all these fireworks going off. So I, I basically just took him out onto the balcony. He was very well covered, just so you know, for all the Italians out there listening. <laughs> um, we're going to write it and tell me I'm a bad mom. We took him out on the balcony and we watched the fireworks all together. And they were really great from our, our balcony. Like we had a really good view from like all sides, basically, all different people shooting off fireworks. And some were, you know, probably professional and some were definitely not professional, but they were still, they were still really great. And then it took about an hour to get Aurelia back to sleep because he was all excited. Yeah, right. Um, but it was nice. It was nice. And then the next morning we went for a nice long walk in Villa Pamphili, which is a place that I love so much. And we went out for a really nice lunch. So it was all in all, it was a pretty decent New Year. Yeah, that's great. Maybe I'll end today's show with the recording I made when I was in Rome with you on New Year's Eve. Because anyone who's never been in Italy during New Year's, it sounds like a war zone. <laughs> yeah. I'd never seen anything like that before. It's so civilized here. And I mean that in the worst way, um, <laughs> now that I live in the United States. There's not people on every corner blowing stuff up. There's not M80s going off. <laughs> you know, you're not fearing for your life. It just seems so casual now. But uh, we actually had a really, really nice New Year's Eve as well. We moved, as many of you who have listened the whole way through this show, our old uh, house got torn down and we had to move. And we moved to a place in Seattle called Queen Anne Hill. We live on Lower Queen Anne, uh, not Upper Queen Anne, but on Upper Queen Anne... If you walk to a park called Cary Park, you can see the Space Needle, which is where all of the fireworks are shot off from on New Year's. I think, uh, Derek read, it's one of the biggest structural-based 
fireworks shows in the world. Wow. Go figure. Go Space Needle. So we decided, well, we're close enough. It's going to take us about 40 minutes to walk up there. Let's walk up and see them instead of just staying home and watching them on TV, which, you know, it was such a cold night. That's where we were heading mentally. But we decided to rally and go do something memorable instead. So we walk up to the top of the hill around where the park is. There's all this traffic, right? of people just trying to park a little closer. Another American thing, right? Just park a little closer. <laughs> there's cars coming from one way, and there's cars coming from the other way, and they're meeting in the middle, facing each other head on, so nobody can go anywhere. <laughs> there's cars parked on either side of the street, so they can't turn around. Oh god! And make matters even more funny, there's a giant party bus blocking the intersection between both rows of cars, black-lighted with all these drunk kids dancing on it. And it's just parked. So nobody's going anywhere. They're just going to all have to park the cars, get out, and watch the show. And there was people everywhere. There must have been at least a thousand people at the park. But it also had this lovely spaced feeling to it where there are a thousand people there, but they were all spread out. So you didn't feel terribly claustrophobic, if that makes sense. That's nice. This is a long way of building up to the best part of the evening. So... At midnight, the fireworks start shooting off from the sides and the top of the Space Needle. And people all around us are saying hilarious, funny things about 2016 and how happy they are to see the year go by the wayside. And so the whole crowd's kind of chuckling and cheering and looking forward to 2016 being over and 2017 beginning. And then Seattle in its finest performance yet, about 12 midnight and 30 seconds, it starts to snow. Oh my God. As the, as the fireworks are going off. And it's just light snow. Most people around don't notice. And then the snow gets a little harder. And then people start to notice. And then the snow gets even harder. And then people are really starting to notice. And then it starts sleeting. Oh no. <laughs> no. Little tiny pellets of hail. Oh no. Meanwhile, the fireworks are all going off. It's not dangerous hail. It's just like little ice pellets turning everything white. And it gets to be just so ridiculous. The fact that we're being pelted at the same time that the fireworks are going off, at the same time that people are cheering about 2016 finally being over, that the whole crowd just starts to laugh because it's such an absurd situation. I think that that was really like one of the most lovely and memorable New Year's Eves I've had in a long time, just because it was extreme in so many ways. And people were so damn happy. I mean, 2016 was a really hard year. I don't know if you guys paid attention to a particular election we had going on over here, but it was a hard year for everybody. And I think everyone was just so relieved. And then to have it snow. Um, and the snow, by the way, ended five minutes after the fireworks ended. So it was just in that moment. Derek looked at me and he said, I don't remember what we did for New Year's Eve last year. And I said, neither do I. And he said, the only other New Year's Eve I think I'll remember like this one is the one that we had in Rome. Oh, that was so fun. It was so yeah. simple, but so fun. I mean, I think that sometimes people forget that sometimes this doing the simplest least quote-unquote exciting things sometimes are the best yeah Claudio and I went up to Katie's balcony or rooftop terrace I should say for New Year's Eve what what year was that 2013 2000... to 2014 I think it was 14 yeah yeah we bought a bottle of 
Prosecco. I don't even think we had sparklers or anything that <laughs> even that cool. Mm-mm. But it was just so nice. Like, you're just up there watching all of the crazy people in the street below, like setting off homemade fireworks. Yeah, and all the kids like dropping sparklers onto the neighbor's deck below. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I guess one of the reasons why the Seattle one was so nice was it had that feeling of that New Year's with you and Claudio and Derek was so memorable because one, we were on this terrace looking down at people shooting off homemade fireworks, but also because I never experienced what a New Year's in Italy is like before. Mm-hmm. The, there was that inkling, that same sort of feeling this year was that it almost was like you were a tourist in your own town. You almost captured that magic of, oh, this is what people do on New Year's here. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let me tell one more story. One year I was in Vietnam for New Year's Eve, and, and of course, the Vietnamese don't celebrate the new year like we celebrate the new year right they celebrate the chinese new year so it's a different day but they've caught on to the fact that tourists like new years and so they celebrate it in their own way you know you'll see people running around going to bars and and ringing in the new year just like you would in the united states but the thing that made vietnam unique was that they are an abba country (laughs) (laughs) at least they used to be And I heard the song Happy New Year by ABBA (laughs) at every single moment in the days leading up to that night. So, you know, every every store I walked into, every bar, they would play it. So it gets to be the actual night. And we're in this bar where these young people are singing karaoke. We're sitting with these um, other travelers at this table and they do a countdown to midnight, you know, three, two, one. Happy New Year, and everybody's cheering and cheering. And then I just yelled, Cue the Abba! And at that moment, (laughs) at that moment, the song started playing, which made us all burst out laughing, of course. But, you know, also, how cool is that? That's like the first time I actually called a moment in my life. I do love that song now, I must say. It's just, like, so memorable. And after Derek and I saw this amazing fireworks show with the sleeted snow I said we have to go home and sing Abba and so we went home and played Abba and sang that song at the top of our lungs while drinking uh, sparkling apple cider that could be a new tradition for your family you have to sing that song every year the Abba song happy new year but we should end we should leave it there and say uh, happy 2017 everybody here's to another great year of all of us hanging out together and whatever adventures are yet to come because I feel like changes in the air so we'll find out what happens huh oh gosh you sound so much more hopeful than I do than I feel (laughs) just because of the whole I hate to be boringly political but uh just because of the whole uh the whole don't even mention it don't even mention it we'll we'll get into two we'll get into that later this month but for now we're in that beautiful sweet zone of 2017 (laughs) where anything is possible let's end with um with a couple resolutions Oh, okay. Do you have any this year, Katie? I'm going to make you start because I haven't thought about it that much. Go for it. Oh, I have too many to mention them all. As usual, I, I, I'm I, way over ambitious with my resolutions. <laughs> but a couple that I will mention. One of my main resolutions is I want to amp up the social media promotion of this show <laughs> because <laughs> neither Katie and I are very good at or enthusiastic about social media. <laughs> so, I've been trying so to do stuff that's interesting. You 
I've been you, trying. Katie, you are better than I am. I mean, let's let's put it this way. You are definitely more proactive than I am. I've been I've been really shirking my duties, uh, especially since I named myself social media manager for this podcast. <laughs> and I you're fired. Never, I probably never tweeted again. I think yeah. After we declared you social media manager of this podcast, I don't think you ever did a thing again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's almost true. It's almost true. That's one. Well, and that's just because we want more people to find out about the show. Well, you know, we we believe that we have a quality show and we want as many people who would be interested in it to have access to it and to be able to, to discover it. So that's right. Besides all the, like, you know, the basic, like, I want to floss more, <laughs> <laughs> cut down on sugar and, and all those like classic ones that I do every year and never manage to actually keep. I would also like to resurrect my blog, which has been... Um, sort of dormant for the past uh, about 17 months, about the length of my, my, my son's life. And no coincidence there at all. Uh, and you know, I need to write a new book. There you go. There you go. Gee, that seems like a lot. Yeah, that, that's like nothing. That's just a small percentage of my resolutions. What about you? Well, I know I've mentioned it on this show before that I usually try to come up with a, a resolution that I can accomplish in a matter of moments um, or minutes or even an hour. Uh, things like eat a pomegranate or um, take CPR <laughs> class. <laughs> and I haven't come up with anything like that for this year. I didn't even try to do it this year. I mean, I think it's always the same thing. I want to solve the issues with this show that are technical issues that I keep putting off trying to solve. I want to draw more. I used to draw all the time. I want to write more. I just want to write something every day. Even that seems nearly impossible. And, you know, maybe this year will be the year that I actually write a weekly letter to people. I wrote a lot of letters over the break, by the way. Thank you notes for people who donated to this very podcast. Well, I love that. I love that idea because I love... Um mail sending it and receiving it um but i have been very bad about doing it so that's a, that's a nice one i like it all right well we should leave it there until then everybody tell us the weirdest thing you traveled with at bittersweetlifeatmail.com and for goodness sake follow us on twitter and facebook because we're about to be on it or tiffany is <laughs> so <laughs> maybe uh you Hopefully. can find out about all those addresses at the bittersweetlife.net and until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Now I can't. <laughs> 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 <laughs>